Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move with the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely. I'll never forget it. Welcome to Spectrum's podcast, Adventist Voices. I'm Alexander Carpenter, and I'm honored to be talking with Pastor Johnny Moore today. Thank you very much for speaking with our community. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. Um, you're here uh, for a variety of reasons. One, of course, is your work as a minister in the Adventist Church, and the other is that you are a fellow podcaster. And yep. your podcast is Your Movie Hour, which you do uh, with your wife, who is a filmmaker, called mm -hmm. Your Story Hour. And I love the title, having grown up on, uh, sorry, it's called Your Movie Hour, uh, having grown up on Your Story Hour. That's all I think about every time I uh, listen to it and read the title. Um, can yes. you, do you yes. mind? And that was, that was intentional. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, can you just talk a little bit about what led the both of you to create that podcast? I, I would love to. So um, we have been essentially doing the podcast for all the years that we've been married. We've just been doing it unofficially um, because she is a, like you say, she's a filmmaker. She, she loves story and, and how um, it all fits together and meshes together. And so We've been, we've been sort of living in the intersection of story and media and theology. Of course, what I'm passionate about as a, as a theology student, uh, you know, when she and I met and then getting into my early years of pastoring and then seminary and, and post-seminary pastoring once again, you know, so, so theology, life, how spirituality um, affects uh, the ways that we engage stories, what we can learn from stories. So that was so much just a fabric of our being. And then I had, you know, and, and we talked about, you know, you know, doing different podcasts or things like that from, from time to time, as I think every millennial Adventist does. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and then I had a talk with uh, Caleb Isley of, of Humans of Adventism. Yes. And friend, just, friend like, of the show. Yes. Yes. Great friend of the show. And, uh, a uh, friend of, of people everywhere. Yes. Um, heart of gold. Uh, and, and he just, he just inspired me to take the, the bull by the horns and, and jump in and, and go with it. And so, um, you know, Heather and I, Heather and I got going and like literally, uh, you know, seven hours later after having this phone call with, with Caleb, Heather, uh, Caleb and I were sitting in a room recording the first episode, and um, and then and then it just went from there. So so it's this passion for saying, look, these these stories we engage with them. Our spiritual community has not always made space for these stories to be explored, and and we want to engage with them not reactively, not negatively, but proactively, and say, how do we sculpt our lives? How do we how do we want to engage them to sculpt their lives for, for good? Great. Um, I will recommend an episode for folks who might want to dive into your podcast, and that's the Frozen 2 episode subtitled yeah. Facing Our History, Calling, Grief, and Manhood. 
So if you're interested mm. in thinking about your movies theologically and socially and with some uh, great Adventist friends, uh, that's a great place to start. Yeah, and I do, I do recommend, I recognize that our, our podcast has kind of a, a high threshold for engagement. It's really best if you watch Frozen 2 before listening to that episode. It'll be pretty tough to jump into any of the episodes if you haven't seen the content uh, that we're talking about because we do kind of assume that from the get-go. Absolutely. Uh, also, congratulations on your 14 ratings with uh, five stars. That's uh, always fun uh, to see on uh, Apple Podcasts. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's, been, it's been such a privilege, and we're, we're looking forward to season two. Um, we've been on hiatus for a little bit, but we are uh, uh, talking and, and amassing some good content, some some good experiences that we can, you know, bring the conversation back to the table and 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 pick it up again. Great, looking forward to that. So, um, you are an Adventist pastor, and I want to talk to you about how um, the COVID nineteen quarantine has affected your ministry. Do you mind just talking about um, some of the direct ways that it's uh, kind of affected your day to day? Yeah, sure. So, so I'm going to I'm going to start uh, in in how I feel it kind of chronologically affected us. So, the first thing. Um, so, I pastor in Portland, Oregon, um, at a, a wonderful, uh, a smaller church uh, in Northeast Portland called the, called Healing Hope and. I love my people and they love me. We've been here for three years. Uh, yesterday was our three year anniversary here at Healing Hope and it's, it's been amazing. And near the, near the middle of last year, I got a, 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 a fever. And this happens in pastoral ministry from time to time. You'll get reached out to by, by a church or by a conference and you'll say, Hey, are you interested in maybe transitioning? And, uh, and going to this new space, this new slot in ministry. And, and this is a, a, a place across the country, actually in New York City, all the way in, in the, um, opposite coast, uh, a place that would be, you know, really foreign and, and just, it was, it was so out of the blue for me. Um, but something that, that Heather and I really have embraced as we do ministry is, is trying to be open to see kind of how, doors open and, and how opportunities unfold and, and the position seemed like such a good match um, for us, for who we are, for, for what I'm feeling called to in ministry, um, that we were like, well, well, we'll leave this door open. It seems like there's a lot of, you know, potential candidates that might be, you know, good, great fits for this. So, so we'll just see if, if this door closes. And, uh, and so this, this process started, you know, getting going and over the over the, the rest of 2019 and then into 2020, uh, it, you know, it was, it was going full steam and we ended up receiving a call to go out to New York City and accepting that call, announcing it uh, to my board. And in early March, uh, you know, late, late February, you know, right around there, I announced to my board that I've, that I've accepted this call. And, uh, you know, that, hey, this is, this is what's coming and, uh, uh, we'll, we'll be in, in New York City, you know, starting sometime in, in the summer. We hadn't figured out dates yet. And then we're figuring out dates. We're working on things. Everything is coming together. And then boom, COVID hit. And this was, this was one of the, the first things that 
that sort of transpired. At first, it was just, uh, hey, you know, the call is on hold. We're, we're expecting that this will still, uh, this will still transpire. Um, but, uh, but, you know, just, just, uh, just, just hold tight, hang tight, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, and then a few weeks go by and it becomes, no, you know, this, this call, this, this, uh, this position is, is no longer available, no longer open. Wow. And so do you mind just talking about what that felt like to, to have things kind of happening around you that were out of your control? I, I don't mind at all. Uh, it was, it was surreal. And, and here's the, I, I think that for, for us, um, it was, it was really difficult because this call had come out of the blue and, um, we hadn't, we hadn't gone looking for it. We hadn't, you know, th- this is not, it, it wasn't something that we wanted. And, and so we felt, we perceived like, wow, like God is really opening this up. And we started to get really excited. And then it falls through and, and we have like a literal, uh, a literal loss, a grief that needs to be grieved. And yet, and yet I still have a job. My wife still has a job. Yeah. And so there's almost this, there's, there's this kind of like, uh, there's this guilt about having grief itself, almost, almost a shame. Like, how can I be, um, how can I really be disappointed? How can I be upset? How can I be sad? How can I, you know, when, when so many people that I know, I have members in my church who, as I'm, as I'm finding out that, oh, I don't, I don't get to go to this interesting place and meet new people and do these different things. You know, I'm having people who are like, well, I was furloughed. I was laid off. These are my members, people I love. You know, what do I have to complain about? And, and it was, yeah. it, and it continues to be actually, you know, uh, to a certain extent, though now things have, things have really gotten a little bit more stable. Um, but it continues to be a, well, how do we grieve that when there are people going through so much worse around us? And, and now, of course, that is, um, at the, at the time of this recording, you know, we're, we're in the midst of, of a tragedy of, of national proportion that's been ongoing since the founding of our country, you know, with the way that we mitigate and marginalize, you know, black lives and don't hold law enforcement, you know, to the standards and don't prepare and equip our police officers to do the kind of work that they need to do to truly protect our communities. So, so we're here and, and what do I have to complain about? You know, what do I have to complain about? Um, because I have so much and yet I still have loss and yeah. I still have grief and I still need to process that. So it's been that tension, um, all, all the way through. That's great. I'm glad that you're being so open about this, this tension between the personal and the public that I think we all experience. Um, and we try to understand how our personal lives are political and, um, and grapple with what that means. At the same time, we recognize that they're very private as well or can be. And, um, I'd love for you to talk about, um, 
given that you're kind of in a moment of transition, uh, talk about how um, the quarantine affected your kind of uh, your work as a pastor. Did it change the way that you um, preached, how you um, connected with your um, church community? So initially, you know, what, what we did was move to um, – as, as soon as we got, so we got word on, oh man, I, I think it was a, a Wednesday or a Thursday from our conference, you know, Hey, we are, uh, this is, this is big, you know, it's, it's time for us to, to close services. And, you know, these are the precautions that were, that we're taking. Of course, there was just a lot of unknown. Nobody, nobody knew anything and there's still a lot of unknown, but, but then it was it was all the more and and everyone listening to this remembers you know what those first days were like and all the breaking headlines and all the the news and and what does it how do we protect ourselves from this what does this look like and so they were saying hey we we need to um you know close down our churches and so you know we took those steps and and we moved quickly um to to let the let the elders you know uh, speak to uh, how can we do this? What, what shall we do to move forward? We decided to move forward with closing the church. And, uh, um, I notified the board and, you know, we, we'd figure out, you know, what they kind of looked like in, in larger, um, in a larger scope, um, afterwards the next week, because Sabbath was coming. We had a worship service to schedule and we had to do something. So that first week, uh, we did a Zoom Sabbath school, uh, that we wanted to, uh, we wanted to live stream and, and hook the Zoom into Facebook. And I, the night before, I tested everything out with Zoom, uh, and and everything you know worked worked fine. And then, of course, the morning of, I log into Zoom and get things going. And and it took us half an hour to get our Sabbath school <laughs> uh, sort of program going. And and uh, you know we ended up. Oh man, it was you know it was. It was not a smooth Sabbath school experience, but we had some, we had some good discussion and, and then we did a worship service on Facebook Live. Um, and, uh, my wife and I put that on and very, very fortunate to have a wife who again is a filmmaker and also a musician. And so, uh, we had, I, I feel, um, very fortunate in that I had some resources at my disposal that many pastors did not have coming into this and, and being a podcaster. So we had recording equipment. We had, you know, all of these different things for, to, to set up, um, you know, uh, software on, on Heather's computer and, uh, and, you know, use our, our stream, you know, through my iPad for the video source and then into Heather's computer and through her, you know, sound equipment on our mics and plug everything in. And so we were able to, to really put together um, a program that was that was fairly good, and it got better over the following weeks. Um, and we did that for several weeks for our primary worship experience. We would do Zoom um, for Sabbath school and, and get the link out and do all the sharing with that, and, and of course deal with the the fallout of, of various news articles talking about breaches and Zoom security, and <laughs> yeah. and we would we would go back and forth about. You know, oh, like, do we uh, do we switch to some other platform? But we also have a, a majority uh, uh, older uh, demographic that is hesitant to technology uh, uh, change, and and 
there's a lot of difficulty there. And so how do we, um, you know, on the one hand, we as an organization uh, definitely have to keep our, our people and their information and privacy as safe as possible. On the other hand, if we just switch platform after platform after platform, um, they will fatigue and they'll just disengage entirely. And so um, living in that, that was another tension that COVID brought um, brought us into, brought me into. And so so we did that. Um, and of course, uh, Zoom updated and, and uh, updated and updated and updated and, and uh, mm. the waiting room feature, all these different things. Um, you know, worked out and we became aware and, and we've continued using the Zoom platform and have been, you know, fairly, fairly happy with it with a few, you know, bumps and bruises along the way. Um, so, so that's how we've done our main worship uh, gatherings. Yeah. Um, and then we've had other Zoom meetings uh, throughout the week. Uh, we've done at first, we were like, you know, our youth are no longer our high school students, particularly no longer, um, in, in school and just struggling. And so we did, uh, three meetings a week starting out. We would do a Sabbath school program after the worship service, um, because our Zoom meeting was being used for Sabbath school before the worship service. And I was the only one who knew how to run Zoom. And so, uh, you know, no one else could start it. And, and, you know, it was, it was just what it was. Um, and then we would do a, a Tuesday evening thing and a, a Thursday afternoon thing. We watched, uh, we watched, uh, Into the Spider-Verse all together, you know, and I had like a watch party and we <laughs> had someone who, who drove one of our, uh, one of our parents who's just phenomenal, uh, uh, drove, you know, to the, to the grocery store, uh, waited in the long lines, but picked up a bunch of snacks and drove around to all of our different uh, youth uh, members' homes and dropped off these packets. Oh, I love so it. So that each each youth member, you know, and and with those who had younger siblings, they, they put in a little extra, you know, would have, you know, the same snacks. So it would be like the, the classic youth movie night. You all come, you all have the same pizza options, you have the same chip options, whatever. So we had like a, a bag of Cheetos and, and popcorn and a candy bar, you know, just, just whatever. And it was uh, it was really fun. So we did that at first and then they got, uh, they, their school got rolling, um, again and they were up on Zoom on four hours a day of Zoom meetings. And so that became less, uh, viable and people sort of stopped, stopped showing up. Uh, and so now we switched to doing kind of a, uh, every week, you know, youth meeting, but really utilizing the Zoom platform, uh, for that. Wow. And that's great to hear. Um, I, really impressed with the technology that you're utilizing, but also like the human touch that you're able to maintain as well. I watched um, one of your services and I could see that you're really trying to bridge the the gap there. Um, You know, uh, are you, uh, do you see a future sometime this summer as you're moving to a a new uh, congregation that you're gonna that you'll be um, doing in-person services. Do you see that on the horizon yet? Yeah. Um, so uh, that's a, that's an interesting question, especially as I am in transition. And and uh, what you refer to, maybe some of the the listeners might not be aware. Um, so my and this is this is another sort of update in the chronological development from COVID. So we make all these switches. To, to moving the church to to uh, Facebook and Zoom, 
but I still don't know where I'm going, uh, where I'm going to be. The, as I said, my conference had plans, uh, for my church. Uh, you know, I had announced that I was leaving, going across the country. And, uh, and so things, you know, am I going to, I, I kind of figured that I would just end up staying with my church until kind of the COVID, the COVID craziness, I guess, for lack of a better, <laughs> better term, kind of settled down, maybe, maybe through the summer. And then I wondered, you know, am I even going to have a job? You know, is, is this going to continue? Um, the, the conference was, was planning on, you know, having some, some major transitions, uh, a reduction in pastoral force. And, and I just, I, I, I wasn't sure if there would be a spot for me. Um, but through this, through this process, a spot opened up at a church, um, that's, that's, that's a little bit farther from where we live, but actually within driving distance, uh, another, you know, wonderful, wonderful church, um, across the river in, uh, Washington state and um, in Battleground, Washington called Meadow Glade, where I'll, where I'll go and, and I've, I've accepted a call to be a, a discipleship pastor there, which I'm, I'm excited about. And again, in line with a lot of my passion for ministry and congratulations. Um, thank you. Thank you. And, uh, so, so this, this transition, you know, then, okay, this comes through and it happened very quickly. Um, we saw, you know, a lot of, you know, just again, kind of the, the language of doors opening and doors closing a lot of just kind of amazing things falling into place for this to work. And we're, we're so grateful and, and thankful to, to not only, have for me to not only have a job right now to, but to also have a job um that i'm so so incredibly passionate about and um to be a part of the, the team there is, is very exciting um but it then creates this this unique tension where if heather and i are leaving what do we do um for our church because our worship service has been totally dependent on us uh, because of course, you know, the Facebook live, all of these things, like it's like Heather's musical ability and recording equipment allows us to do all of this stuff from home. Yeah. And so we were just doing home church live where it's, it's right out of Pastor Johnny's house. Right. And, and we could do that, but now we're leaving. So, so how do we move forward? And so then we've switched to doing everything for the last two weeks here. Um, uh, we've been doing everything on Zoom for the entire worship service. Um, having having the Zoom meeting up and running, and we've had some people pre-record videos, and then you play it from Zoom and do your screen share and and uh, share your audio and everything, so people can watch uh, the the videos all all together. And and we've had a couple of people come into the church and do things and and record there. And we've uh, been updating our internet, our bandwidth, everything at the church, all these things. So we're in this transition. Our our last uh, I have two Sabbaths left here at Healing Hope at this point, um, two sermons left, and, and then uh, my last day is that final that final Sabbath, and, and that's uh, June 13. And, um, and then, just uh, 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 maybe a couple weeks ago now, our conference releases guidelines on reopening the church and opening in person. And so there's, there's a great discussion in my current board about what this looks like. And there are discussions also happening that I am really kind of in a 
kind of a cursory way a part of at, at the new church. I've, I've been, you know, they've been including me in the memos, so to speak. Um, and I get invited to the meetings, but I'm really, I'm, I'm working hard to, to tie things up well here at, at Healing Hope. And there are many responsibilities and things on my plate. And so, um, I've been, I, I've been just a little bit touch and go with that, with that new congregation. Um, but we'll be there full bore once I'm, once I'm there. Um, but, uh, so for them as well, as they've navigated this and, and it is a larger church, you know, and Washington is slightly different than Oregon State and how they relate to all these things. And, and so they're looking at, um, at, at this new church, at the larger church, they're, they're looking at, you know, when will we be able to have a few hundred people, which is what their regular attendance is? When are we going to be able to have that number of people all together again? And there, you know, there's, there's just a lot of uncertainty still. And so when, when we begin meeting on a larger scale there, I'm, I'm not sure yeah. um, what that will look like, what in-person meetings will look like. But as, as we've talked in the conversations that I've been a part of, you know, I, I think that, that we will, as a team, you know, coordinate smaller services, again, kind of the, the, the scalable, you know, service idea where we meet, you know, in a large open space, you know, uh, maybe in the sanctuary, maybe outside, you know, but something, you know, where we can get smaller groups together that can maintain safe distances and, you know, all of these things, maybe, you know, foster uh, home groups and, and things like that, where with people who have adequate space for, for that to, to be viable and work well. Um, and, uh, and just kind of go with the flow because to get a large group of people together is just, yeah, that's, that's a mammoth undertaking. You know, you're at, you're I, hope. Yeah. I was, was just going to jump in there be on that difficulty. I know of a church that had a board meeting and everyone voted to continue to meet remotely except for one member, uh, the oldest, uh, and she was concerned that Jesus would return before she'd ever get back to church again. And I mm. thought that was really interesting. Um, some of our assumptions about how all of this works um, are different yeah. uh, depending on who we are. And so yeah. I can only imagine uh, the navigations that are required to bring folks together in a worship experience these days. Just wrapping up here, um, I'd love for you to just talk about what's giving you hope in these times of transition for you personally, um, transitions in your communities as you're leaving one that you care about and moving into another that you care about. And then obviously our society and our world is also in a transition as we move from quarantine to some kind of limbo state. Um, and we're also in a kind of uh, social consciousness transition, as we notice in America, um, the Black yeah. Lives Matter protests and um, the kind of fascist reaction to them. Yes, right. Uh, I love that question. What is what is giving me hope? Um, I would say, as a this is, this is a. Uh, uh, angle in which I, I will represent my traditional Adventism well, uh, there are, uh, there's a cadre of things that are, that are bringing me hope. And, you know, some of them are, are even like health things. Uh, some of the things that Heather and I have, have done and tried to be more intentional about recently are, 
are taking walks, we are fortunate enough to be in a a part of the country uh, where where the lockdown is not super severe, and and so we we took our dog to the to the off leash dog park today, and and spent some time in the sun. The, the high for today, I believe, is seventy two degrees here in the beautiful Pacific Northwest, and you know, I mean, just just little things like that. If um, if we if we can't walk together, you know, uh, uh, you know, we really we really miss that, and and we feel, you know, just just the effects of, of getting some fresh air and, and stepping out. I think that you know, as we as we care for our bodies, as we as we create space for health, that that is um, that's that's really helpful um, for for just everything and, and how we function as people. Um, so that's that's one thing. Uh, in a in a deeper sense, the the area of of ministry that I am most passionate about is uh, discipleship, which is um, a term that is very frequently misunderstood. I'll avoid getting on my soapbox for this, but essentially, discipleship is is how um, to be a disciple. And a disciple, at least in the time of Jesus, was someone who lived in close relationship with another um, with the intention of being transformed to being like that person. And so Plato had disciples, Aristotle had disciples, and they, they learned at their feet. They spent a great deal of time with them and developed a, a close friendship, but it was more than just being good friends um, because they they tried to imbibe um, their teachings to such an extent that then they exuded them and, and could pass them on to the people around them. And so, so discipleship, Christian discipleship is really spending time with Jesus in such a way um, that people are are able to feel close um, to God, whatever that looks like for them, whatever closeness means for them, and that that closeness then results in in a transformed and a in a continuously transformed life, um, and so that engaging with that one of the things that i didn't talk about that that we've been doing um about uh oh man it would, it would be about 10 weeks ago now right near the start of all of this we started doing um this thing called um experiencing uh experience jesus in mark during uncertain times kind of a mouthful of a title uh, I should have thought more about that in advance. <laughs> but once you once you label it and post it, it's out there. Yeah. And uh, and what we've been doing is we've been meeting every morning at 7 a.m. for 45 minutes um, on Zoom, and at 2 p.m. Uh, on Zoom. And and whoever you know from the church community, anybody really could could come and join us at that meeting. Um, now we've stopped doing the 7 a.m. because there's kind of a lack of turnout. Um, but uh, but can come and join us and we spend, we just briefly pray with each other and then spend some time going through the story of Jesus and stepping into that story um, imaginatively and into the, the role of one of those characters and then considering how this impacts our lives today. And it's been, it's been things like that, that in a, in a greater sense, I have had, I have had moments of, of deep, of, of desperation of, of loneliness, of isolation. And, and in this, I have found um, my connection with God, though, though not always making my day happy-go-lucky. Um, it's, it's, been that, it's been that finger hold 
you know, holding me on to the side of the cliff face, um, you know, that, that keeps me going and, and keeps me hoping, you know, that, that this, um, this God does not always promise ease. This God does not always promise uh, uh, peace or, or freedom from struggling. I, I'm not promised a job um, or a job that I'm super excited about. Sometimes that happens to unfold and, and as it has in this, in this in particular instance, but, but this God carries people through journeys with struggles with um, suffers with people in, in our times of grief and difficulty. And then when, when I'm feeling stronger, when I'm feeling better, you know, it is just a, um, this relationship with Jesus becomes a, um, just, just a constant, uh, a constant boon, uh, an encouragement. And so finding ways, finding times to connect with God and that are meaningful to me personally. I'm sharing about this, uh, you know, in, in various workshops and, and settings with, with different people. Um, I've, I've, COVID has, has pushed me to, to what the core of, um, the gospel is, how I understand it, you know, in, in my life. It's pushed me to experience that more fully, to seek it. Um, more intentionally and that has been um, what's given me hope and then sharing that with my community um, Healing Hope's mission is to focus on Jesus so all can experience forgiveness, restoration, growth and empowerment and so you know as we um, as a community come back around that mission in the midst of this uncertainty um, you know that is that is where I've been attempting to funnel my, my energies. Well, that's really and great. That yeah. Uh, sorry to cut you off there. Um, no, no, no. I, uh, I like how you're, um, connecting it to discipleship, which is really, um, kind of the origins of how we think of education and pedagogy. Well, it's been great talking with you. Thank you so much for sharing so personally and, and so thoughtfully. And I wish you all the best as you make this move. Um, I'm sure your new community will be very blessed by you. Thank you so much. And, and thank you for, for the time to, to share. And, and uh, I appreciate the work that Spectrum does um, and, uh, and your work in the podcast, too. And it's been, it's been great. Yeah. Thank you. It's been fun. I knew, Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move when the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely 